Hergeki Nebishi, don't know that word, and bookish qualities will transmute into true and embodied knowing that of the diamond consciousness. What? <laughs> what? There's parts of this book that we don't know about. <laughs> what is the diamond consciousness? <laughs> I've reached <laughs> diamond status. I want I want it. I want diamond consciousness. This is like really getting Scott right now. I'm that laughing at how guard. much you're laughing. That got me on guard. Diamond consciousness. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome to No Small Thing, the podcast dedicated to helping you live a less certain and more curious life. I am Scott. And I am Macy. Welcome to episode number 102. One of the first times you've said it in a long time where it's not a question. <laughs> this is the episode <laughs> 102? we are at. 102? Episode 102. <laughs> confidence. I have it written down, and that is where the confidence has come from. There it goes. Um, okay, you guys. So tonight's topic is, we're either telling it soul child or... Yeah, seriously. It is a little bit of a drum roll. Soul child theory. Soul child theory. We, it's not a, f- a, f- a five episode or what do we say? In every five episodes, we do Enneagram. This is sort of an Enneagram adjacent. It's adjacent. It's like, it's kind of like more than defense mechanisms feels Enneagram adjacent. This feels even more Enneagram. Yeah. Like soul child theory comes out of under an understanding. It's, it's an aspect in a way to interpret the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. So Sorry, everybody, that it's not a 105 episode. <laughs> and, and who cares, really, about And we're not going to title it officially Enneagram. Oh, but, but I, w- I was thinking Although we could we say should. the Enneagram colon soul child theory. It might get more clicks. Okay, yeah, I think that's it. Okay, everybody. So before we get into soul child theory, which in the intro we're going to talk about what even is soul child theory, we want to take a brief moment to read a few rating and reviews and give some thoughts and comments. Where do I find those? Um, I can I find, find it. But if you just go to our podcast, like on we want to respond on our own podcast to some ratings and reviews. Yeah. So because <laughs> recently we've got in the past few days we got one two star review and two five star reviews, and Scott already responded to the two star review on his. Uh, Have we ever even Instagram mentioned account? Enneagram reposts? I don't think so. You guys, you guys. Uh, I I think I did a five thing. I think it's a five thing. <laughs> um. It's a curiosity thing. It was it was very very impulsive. Making it? Mhm. And it was I think at the end of December or early January. I don't know exactly when. It's called Enneagram reposts. Mhm. And I was really like I want I want to practice hacking Instagram. You know, whatever that means. Yeah. Like I want I want to I want to get an account going that goes for follows and likes and stuff. And you were just like Whatever it takes, you're going yeah. for follows. I'm not thinking about creativity. I'm not thinking about like originality. I'm just going for the follows. And it, it it jumped up pretty quickly. I was like, this is going better than I even thought. And then recently I started like engaging. Like I was very now anonymous. I feel like now the page is better than it was. Yeah. And it's probably gaining more people. Yeah, and, and I'm I haven't done much, but I'm already like people are responding really well to me talking as me about the Enneagram and they're like DMing me questions. And somebody today was like, uh, Hey, actually 
no, this was a this was for a meme actually. I, it's in the story. Somebody was like, "Hey, my kid is a four, mm-hmm. even though she's six, and she's extra emotional. What should I do? Can Jeez. you change your number?" And I go, Jeez. "I said one, you don't change your number, and two, I don't think your number really starts to emerge till like eleven, twelve, thirteen. Like, right. so I think if your soul child is maybe yeah. happening, maybe yeah. your child's a two. So I said, I think I was just able to be lighthearted about it. And I was like, you know, six-year-olds, that's a tough season. I mean, my, my kids were pretty emotional, too. Um, and and then there's a really funny, um, there's like a really funny line. This is like a dad joke, kind of. But uh, do you, have you ever seen Dumb and Dumber? <laughs> People my age will know. Like in Dumb and Dumber, it's like Jim Carrey, classic Jim Carrey movie. And he just plays a dumb guy. Yeah. And so he kind of is the whole joke of the movie is like he's always saying dumb stuff but he gets rejected hard by this girl like so like like um articulately mean to him about like why they never will be together and and then he just his response is so you're telling me there's a chance (laughs) (laughs) so that was the guy's response today when i was like you can't change your kids number and i was like good reference but it it was fun i was like (laughs) Um, you know, I'm, I, I feel like I'm legit interacting with people that want to know about the Enneagram, you know, yeah. um, and it didn't really start that way, but so anyways. as a result, I think we've gotten a few listeners because of that. And I think this person that wrote this review was maybe an Enneagram repost follower. And then Scott, you already in your stories there. So maybe if you listen, you commented on it, but yeah. should we read it aloud and then give a few thoughts? Yeah. I think it's entertaining. I read. think it is entertaining yeah. as well. And, and like this I, w- I think we could both preface this by saying that this person is kind of not wrong with their review. Right. Um, right. So here we go. Yeah. Two out of five stars. Like I read it and I was like, oh, dang. Gosh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Take this with a grain of salt because I've only listened to the Enneagram episodes. Probably 10 to 15 hours worth. Okay. But you just got to stop right there and be like, what? Yeah. What? So, I mean, they, I, they, I just want to say. They've given us a chance. I do appreciate I that. I don't even say. I do say given us a chance. But I also say. I feel like they kind of low-key enjoyed it. Like, why would they listen to 15 hours worth if it's they weren't true. enjoying it? <laughs> it's true. You know? Um, I don't know. This week I listened to probably six hours worth of a podcast, and I'm like, I don't love the podcast, hmm. but hmm. I'm really there for the information they were talking I mean, they were talking about Soul Child Theory. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, okay, so... I tried to look up some stuff on Soul Child Theory on YouTube, and it was pain. It was like, you and I both know... The YouTube? Is it... Was it this one person giving, like, sermons? Oh, Did you find those videos? Yes, series? I, didn't... I, I clicked right off of those. Yeah. <laughs> but I found some other ones where it's like you and I have been talking recently, that, like that this Enneagram world, which I feel like we're trying to sort of add our own voice to, is so drab. Everybody's like, let me do an impression. Welcome to the Enneagram. Um, today we'll be talking about soul child theory. Soul child comes... From the ancient, you know, like that's the tone. And it's like, that's tone for two hours. <laughs> the tone for like the whole time. That's, you, that's the... You identify as a type four. Tell us what that means for you. Well, when I was younger, um, you know, it's like <laughs> everything's so quiet <laughs> and serious. <laughs> Just like, it's, it is and a lot longer. of papyrus font and, you know, it's like, why are we doing it this way? <laughs> there's a specific, there's like a specific... There's lots of Enneagram subcultures, I yeah, would say. And yeah. there is a specific Enneagram subculture that does feel a little... I don't want to say it, but it is a little old. Yeah. Someday okay. we'll have to just roast Beatrice's. No! 
But for fun, in love, in love and respect. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. I keep interrupting. Go ahead. This is the review. <laughs> You're reading it. <laughs> but no, someday we should dissect this rap from this one podcast. Oh, I cannot believe it even exists. Even now I'm thinking it's a dream. It's not real. Um, okay. So there's issue. Okay. Here we go. Probably 10 to 15 hours worth. Mm-hmm. I am so frustrated with the dialect surround dialect used surrounding the types. There's issues when speaking about the instinctual variants and the host's willingness to play into the type stereotypes gets to me. I've listened to the eight episode twice now because I'm an eight and was hoping I'd be less annoyed the second go around. Unfortunately, one of the eights isn't even an eight. The host refers to his daughter eight, but then she's on. She's one of the threes in the hundredth episode. Perhaps he has two daughters, but it didn't. (laughs) Nope, that's not true. Uh, But it didn't seem to be phrased that way. The willingness to push young people to their own type, to own their type gets me. There's nothing wrong with exploring and finding your type, but to actively type others and to extend that out to kids, I think causes a lot of issues and makes the discovery so much harder. Agreed. Yep. Full, Agreed. full Agreed. send to that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to continue on with this book, but I just really think the hosts don't know enough about the Enneagram to do a podcast like this. I think there's too many inaccuracies and not enough knowledge on the subject. Woo. This is the whole reason why we would maybe not do a podcast on the Enneagram. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in hot. Well, first of all, for clarity, uh, what I said, um, there's nothing wrong with exploring and finding your type, but to actively type others and to extend that out to kids, I think, causes a lot of issues. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we really did actively type our kids. Yeah. And I we think talked it, about it. With well, and I think it's interesting because there's so this person talks about the mistyping. And I think that's something that we would both go on record saying, like, that's part of what our podcast is doing it's like welcome to us mm-hmm. we first got into the enneagram two years three years ago now probably at this point and we mm-hmm. started the podcast really six months after we were really into it mm-hmm. and we were jazzed and we were like hey we're amateurs studying it come study along with us yes and that's been our whole premise and so it's like we're two years later and so because of that we've been studying this whole time we have things to say about the enneagram but we're still amateurs and not experts. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of our our premise. That's that's what we're trying to do. So it's like, yeah, man, we mistyped. Amateurs Take that a, read and talk a lot about the Enneagram. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's like it's not like we're we're not like qualified therapists mm-hmm. or we're not we didn't we're not certified Enneagram mm-hmm. teachers, mm-hmm. you know, and like we are ca- approaching it not from a single school of thought around the Enneagram. It's like Oh, have you heard of, we're talking about a specific theory tonight. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of this? We're not experts in it, but we're introducing it to the conversation. Like instinctual variance. When we first started talking about it, we didn't really know exactly all that we were saying. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I get them so much more. And I have a feeling in three years, I'll be like, man, we didn't know exactly what we were saying. When we were talking about instinctual variance. It's a curiosity podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the premise. It's the premise. <laughs> I, I, I said this before we started recording, but like the image I have, this podcast, if you're, if you're listening for the first time, you've been listening, you're like, what is this? What is this? <laughs> I'm telling you right now. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's happening upon a fun, curious conversation at a dinner party. You happened upon it. Mm-hmm. You're walking by. You've got a drink in your hand. There's, there's noise. There's other conversations. Macy and I are talking. And you're like, what are you guys talking about? I'm like, well, we just... We just heard about this thing called soul child theory. Well, We're what is it? Are you experts? It. No, no, but listen to this. And I just read this chapter last night and I listened to this podcast. Wow. Wait, wait, wait. Let me check. Are you experts? No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but you're welcome to talk with us yeah. about this topic. 
Um, yeah, I think that's the thing. It's like it's not like we're we're definitely not claiming to be certified Enneagram people. Yeah. But I do think something that's interesting that was exposed during our COVID episode is that a few, like quite a few people have found the Enneagram through us. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, I am like, I hope they got interested in the Enneagram through us. But it's like our hopes is that our curiosity in the conversation wouldn't be like the end of anything. Rather, it would intrigue you to go and have your own moments figuring out soul child theory, have your own moments figuring Enneagram number and doing that kind of stuff. It's like, we're just people in the conversation, friends along the way that you can check in with and hear like how that. we're friends doing. along the way. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm very playful about this review. Like I, 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 I feel like this person doesn't get what we're trying to do. The critique is valid in the sense that like, it's true. Yeah. And it's not even really a critique. It's more of an observation, but like, I guess if you're thinking about it, how I'm thinking about our podcast, like a dinner conversation, like I'm not coming in to a party and happening upon a curious conversation, be like, who are you to talk about this? You know, also I'd like to say in defense, <laughs> not defense, an explanation. I don't know. What uh, is this? Well, think about this. We have full reign to edit out whatever we want. So mm-hmm. first of all, we, Hannah, Hannah, who is this who mistyped is mistype? eight, um, is very critical and funny about us mistyping her aggressively at the beginning. Mm-hmm. She came in hot on our COVID episode and was like, well, let me tell you, Scott told me to my face. Now, I could edit that out. I could yeah. be like, oh, this makes me look bad. I'm like, but that's the truth. It's, yeah, it was, it was, we some, did do that. We were bad Enneagram people yeah. for the first six months. We can fully testify to that. All of our friends are like, you guys, yeah. <laughs> Learn from our mistakes. Yeah. We're, it's the journey. It's the journey. Yeah. Okay, should um so that was a review. Oh, you want like, to now we're gonna do a palate cleanser. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll read this review that someone wrote. That's nice. There's a little and bit then, of sorbet. Um, you can go on and you can give a rating or review if mm-hmm. you want mm-hmm. and join the conversation. Please, please, <laughs> please, please give us a rating that. and review. <laughs> <laughs> right now we're at like four and a half stars officially. I don't know if we can ever get back to five stars. I but, don't think we can. Yeah. Okay. But um, four and a half is nice. Okay, so this one said so wholesome with the best emoji, the like cute crying eyes emoji. I like wholesome as a description for us. I came for the Enneagram content and I stayed for the growth and self-reflection that Macy and Scott challenged me with. That's it. Yes. Um, Growth and self-reflection. I love how interactive they are with their listeners through their Instagram and they're always searching for new perspectives and giving themselves grace to grow. Highly recommend. Thank you, Princess Papa. Also Princess Papa, shout out. username. (laughs) Okay, Um, I haven't seen this other one. Usually you text me if we get another review. Oh, it's because it's that same person who wrote the... It's the same review. What, Clarity Collector? There's a person, yeah, who wrote a review for us. They have an Instagram account. Oh, and then they put it on here. And then they put it on there. Isn't that really nice? Gosh. What a nice person. Read it? Sure, I haven't. Yeah, I guess I did read this already, but I didn't know they had. Okay, so this person says, 100th episode was so great. Clarity Collective. No small thing re- recently celebrated their 100th episode by talking to over 25 representing all nine, 25 people representing all nine Enneagram types across the country. The focus of their interviews was the Enneagram and COVID. It took me about a week to listen to the entire episode because it's four and a half hours long. Woo-hoo. Now, s- pause and just say, that's exactly the spirit I w- in which I would approach this episode, yeah. which I l- I'm glad somebody did that. But I learned so much about how the different types are experiencing COVID. Yes. 
The interviews gave a sneak peek into people's lives, what they have been doing at home, their thoughts, and how they are dealing with the global pandemic. The guests touched on loss of employment, sheltering at home, and facing change. Each Enneagram type shared about how they were introduced to the Enneagram and advice they have for others. The interviews reminded me of the panels we had in my Enneagram certification program. Yes. Okay. So people that are Enneagram certified like us. <laughs> the responses and stories from those interviewed provided deep insight into the inner world of each type. It's so helpful to listen to other people's experiences. By the end of the episode, I was hooked on Macy and Scott. I'll definitely be listening again. Thank Dang. You. Thank you. That is nice. Okay, you guys. That was a good palate cleanse. Maybe if you maybe if you like to have your review read on our podcast and, and be acknowledged. <laughs> we'll read write it. Write a review. We'll read it. <laughs> okay, let's get into it. Does everybody understand what that this podcast fun? is? Any do you have any other thoughts? It's a conversational about podcast. And reviews? You're listening to a conversation. Okay. Uh, give us a rating and review. We appreciate it. Um welcome to no small thing. Welcome. <laughs> All right, you guys, let's get down to business. Soul child. We're talking about soul child theory. What is it? I only heard about it recently. Well, I feel like I heard about it like few months ago so i first heard about it like i feel like it was six to like nine months ago on enneagram for idiots okay it was briefly mentioned because tara was reading spiritual spiritual dimensions of the enneagram i don't think really kept that secret I'm so sorry. You're stingy. Um, so, <laughs> but no, but they, she didn't really know much about it. She was just like, I keep understanding the soul child theory. Soul child. And the whole thing was, it's like, it's your integration number. And there wasn't much information on it. Mm-hmm. And then I think it just kind of slowly started to like pop up. And well, I don't once know. Once it's on your radar. It's like you hear it. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, they're mentioning soul child. And then I've been, so... We've been on, oh, I've been not working. And I go back to work in 10 days. It's fine. Uh, listen to our jobs episode. <laughs> jobs part two. Um, and I've been doing like a ton of listening to BHS Chestnut. She has a podcast. Everybody mm-hmm. listen to that podcast too. It's like really good. And it kept got getting mentioned. Mm-hmm. It was like Soul Child be mentioned. And I listened to this really good episode on the movement of the numbers. And she kept mentioning it. And I was like, Scott, we need to talk about Soul Child. And then I don't know when we decided we'd okay, do an so, episode. Okay, so just to say that. I mean, we've read a book this week, or we've dabbled in a book. Yeah. Beatrice mentioned Soul Child. So we're not off out in La La Land right now. No, and I think that the Soul... I think Soul Child Theory is, like, the next the next level approach the Enneagram. Oh, I thought you were going to count, like, the next big thing. The next big thing in Enneagram. No, studies. I don't think so. I just think it's... I think it's... Uh, Soul Child is trending. It's... It's the spiritual dimension to the Enneagram. I mean, that's the name of that book. But mm-hmm. I think it is, that's like what it's trying to capture. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes, it puts essence into all this new perspective. Okay. I don't really know what I'm saying here. You're talking about soul child theory. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll say this. Um, soul child theory is essentially, um, if you think, if uh, I, I'm, we're going to assume you know a little bit about the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the different points to integration mm-hmm. on the Enneagram, the arrows, if you will. Um, your soul child is your path to integration. So as you get in touch with who you were as a kid, essentially, yeah, that will help you, like, so for a five, in theory, mm-hmm. my soul child, and I, I'm guessing between, I, I said today very randomly, like between the ages of four and 10. Yeah. Um, I think it might be baby. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm exhibiting eight-like tendencies, you know? Um, so I was more eight like as a kid. Right. It will in the the like the theory is that so like you know how you're trying to get to essence within your mm-hmm. you hear the word essence. Mm-hmm. The theory is that you're essentially you 
as a child, your soul child is an eight. And that you were, some messages were told or in some way you felt like were told you couldn't be that. And so you put on this ego fixation, which becomes your personality number type. And so it's like the first step towards healing from your ego type is to get back in touch with your essential self, which is the number that is against your arrow. Oh, we really, uh, uh, okay, okay, okay. We really like this idea, we, I, because um, let me explain. So first of all, intro, intro outline. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about soul child right now and explaining it. And then in a second, after a break, mm-hmm. um, we're going to go through the different numbers. All the numbers. Yeah, we have a book. <laughs> we're going to read a little bit of this book. Just chat about it. Um, and, and talk about like what the soul child is for a one. Mm-hmm. Which is a seven? a seven. So we'll talk about what that might look like, like what a one might have looked like as a kid. Yeah. So you ones out there will get that. All, all you get will get that. And then Macy and I will try to de- deep dive our own soul child. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And so like you and I, we've been researching this or this topic came up about two weeks ago. So again, not experts. We're like just digging into it. And so dinner a- party conversation as, as I'm realized and like studying it, it's soul child work. Isn't like, the work of it is getting in touch with your childlike self. So it takes a lot of like practice and it seems like people who are doing work in soul child theory stuff, whatever are often like in groups where there's a guided way of getting back into that childlike self. Hmm. Like you picture yourself in a backyard and you're supposed like, there's ways where people walk you through kind of connecting with your childhood self and you're meant to kind of, see yourself as that well that's sort of the vibe of the podcast right it's like we're sort of like mad scientists like we're doing the experiments on ourselves unguided yeah for sure sure. but i did it i mean you know today i was looking at all sorts of old videos of myself but well yeah and that's kind of what we'll get to in the end is like scott and i spent all of our day today talking to our parents Mm -hmm. about what we were like as kids Mm -hmm. because it's like trying we're trying to get in touch with that that childlike self and uh my mom didn't even know i mean this is signs of thing to come things to come, but didn't know I was doing soul child, had no idea why I was asking right. and used the words bossy. black and white thinker, thinker, yeah, bossy and sassy, which is like, and stubborn. <laughs> I know this descriptions that your mom gave of you as a yeah. kid. I was like, this is me. This Isn't that is wild? So crazy, which my parents descriptions, I come across as either a one or a six. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I feel like I'm like, I could have passed as a six mm-hmm. child for mm-hmm. sure. Very scared. Um, yeah, I mean different different temperaments. I mean, yeah, but but what I was gonna say about Soul Child, and this is sort of again signs of things to come. But like what I found encouraging about it is, to me, um, eight feels so f- out there in space. Like mm-hmm. it says, go to eight in integration. I'm like, I don't know what that feels it's like. It's wrong. Uh, keep going. Well, I, so but to say, actually, I do know what that feels like. Yeah. Now that's what it's saying to me. I can access yeah. that and be like, I remember what that felt like. Yeah. That seems much more possible or poten- a lot more potential for, their, for that. Ah, can't talk. So I listened <laughs> to this podcast and it's the Beatrice Chestnut one. And there's a specific one where the whole, the whole episode is like an hour and a half long. And the only thing they're talking about is the movement and the numbers and the arrows. There it is. I'm like, that's the best thing ever. Oh. Um, <laughs> and they're talking about it and Beatrice is explaining... And it seems like we've been, people have been messing up the way we think about 
kind of development in the Enneagram. I did, I did quotes there. You can't see them (laughs) in like integration, like the, the way we talk about it as like, you have your arrow points and one is integration and one is disintegration, I think Mm -hmm. is like really problematic. And Mm -hmm. they're explaining like the way in which you can do Enneagram work and what understanding what's happening in the arrow movement really changes it and it feels like that's so so true it's like when i read about oh have one like qualities i'm like what like i just have to like pull them out of thin air Mm -hmm. and just Mm -hmm. like have Mm -hmm. these and be these things it doesn't make sense to me and it's now kind of explained that's like the arrow what's happening is the first one you do is you go against your arrow which is going to your past self Mm -hmm. it's you're going to your childlike self you're getting in touch with that and then once you've kind of become more competent in that you can start to balance out by then going to with your arrow which is pointing you towards your future self is the way they talk about it what's that Uh, same eight no no for you would be a seven ah um it's like it's like what you could become but you dang but you really can't integrate that other one until you've integrated against your arrow dang it's like there's there's an order to it that you're kind of supposed to go this is like what marissa's been saying about stretch and release yes exactly exactly dang um and that's why they were like they also talk about wings and they're like wings are more of like evolutionary points Mm -hmm. you could look at your wings and be like dang i can borrow the skills of for me a three and the five and i have easy access to them those are close to my number and if i want to grow in something like hey i'm in school like I should try and access my five wing, that mm-hmm, kind of situation. Mm-hmm. But that's just evolutionary. You're not doing like huge transformation in that work, mm-hmm. but to like revolutionize yourself and like transform is to do the work of the arrows mm-hmm. and to be consciously entering that childlike self. I'm getting very excited here. I, know. I didn't realize that. Exciting? That was really good. <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting to think about like the numbers we have least access to. I feel like sometimes, even though I'm married to a nine, I have very little access to nine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I feel like I sometimes have very, very little access to two. I um, have very little access. The numbers I feel like I have bad access to is probably nine. And six and seven mm, mm, mm. those numbers yeah dang i think i think i feel eight like sometimes and your your stretch and release is two and one yeah yeah wow. yeah so for me it's like and for me it's the the first thing i do is get into my childlike self which we'll go into what the one looks like but mm-hmm. it's like i I start to be more principled and brilliant. That's a word that they Brilliant. use. Brilliancy, yeah. Yeah. which I'm like, that's amazing. Equanimity. Equanimity. But one. that's yeah, what's yeah. happening. It's the balance. It's it's doing things and doing it because it's the good and right thing to do and not doing it be out of this crazy, crazed need to be special. It's right, like right. doing good work and knowing that that's enough and mm-hmm. having purpose behind what I'm doing and having principle behind what I'm doing. And once I've done that, then the next step for me is to then go into a positive space with two where I'm I'm not compromising myself for other people, but I'm able, I mean, kind of in some way, I'm able to step back and not be so stubborn and like, oh, I have to be always authentic. It's like, no, I can give and take for a relationship and be in like a mutual beneficial relationship with someone. But for me to do that, I have to kind of first go through that integration of like moving towards like figuring out my own like principle nature or whatever. Which I'm like, that does make sense. That feels, it's like, it's, 
the path is more like written out in this. Mm-hmm. Like soul child theory is like, oh, here's here's like the legit path. Mm-hmm. Like first get in touch with your childlike self, then you can move towards a different self. Intro to soul child. Soul child theory. Look it up, everybody. Okay, so Learn is that the intro? Us. And then we're going to We're trying back. to be disciplined tonight. We're mm-hmm. trying to keep it short. Mm-hmm. Shorter for our episodes. Mm-hmm. So that's it. When we come back, we're going to delve. We're just going to read to you. It's like... It's what it's okay. a book report. We said dinner party. It's a book <laughs> report. And we also said, like, um, if you're at the house right now, our vibe oftentimes in just social settings is we get out the book and we start reading and we start talking. Yep. So we're just going to say, hey, we have this book and we're going to read some things to you. So hopefully you like that. Uh, we're going to go through each number and save ours for the end. Mm-hmm. When we come back. Okay. I'll do it right now. Okay, so we'll start with the readings. Mm-hmm. Okay, Go so back the book that this comes from, everybody, is Spiritual Dimensions of the Enneagram by Sandra Maitri. Okay, and I'm, she studied under Naranjo. I'm still at this point. is not alive, right? I don't think he's alive. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> I don't think he is. Claudio Naranjo, as Macy is looking this information up, um, is... For me, I don't know why. It's an energy thing. For me personally, he's my favorite Enneagram teacher. Because he tells it like it is. And in so many ways. In terms Died July 2019. Dang, so I wonder if there's a funeral recently. I can look up on YouTube or something. I'd be interested. <laughs> yeah. He's a five. Yeah. And I think, I think the way we understand the modern Enneagram of personality oh. sort of originated. I mean, everybody... Pitch for our history of the Enneagram. One yes. of our wildest episodes. Yes, a great episode, though. Nonetheless. Um, we love Gertschiff, mm-hmm. but we've got some sketchy some feelings. Qualms about Naranjo, which... No, 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 no. Oh, In between, a Chazo. A Chazo. Yes, it's a Chazo. No, no, no sketchy feelings about Naranjo. Now, but now this thing about Naranjo, the feeling I have about it is we're in a... <laughs> if you get really, like, fanboy about it, yeah. like, we're in a season where it's like you... We can we can learn from teachers that literally knew Naranjo. Right, right. And, <laughs> and they're that's like, exciting. We're like, oh my gosh, they knew Naranjo <laughs> and they met him and they heard him tell about the subtypes and their people typed them. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, you knew Naranjo? You knew Naranjo? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So this person knew Naranjo which, or, or studied with Naranjo in Chile, which uh, which instantly, which makes me think they probably were all... Also with Ichazo. Yeah. Which, well, that's the thing that also, it's like Naranjo taught Soul Child too, because Naranjo right. taught this movement of the Enneagram really the same right way that Beatrice Chestnut teaches it. Okay. Which, okay, I didn't preface this, and I don't know if I should go down this rabbit hole, but I kind of want to. No, it's up to you. You want to keep it to an hour and a half, okay, but so if you want to go over. Here's this thing that they do at, I think Naranjo did this, and a lot of people do this at Enneagram, like, workshops or events and things like that is where they have like a mat on the ground and you walk through the numbers. Mm -hmm. And a part of that is they say that when people like walk to their soul child, like sometimes you literally see them experiencing their soul childness. 
And I had a profound experience one time where I drew an Enneagram on the ground, like really big in the sand. And I walked through the whole thing. And it was like, I mean, it was one of the most profound experiences of my life. It was just me. And I felt it as I was moving through the Enneagram. And they talk about this. And I'm like, I... I felt it as I was in that one position, what it was like, and in that two position. And then when I went to the floor, I was like, I felt so at home. It's it was a classic really Macy experience because we all were walking on the beach, and then somehow you like trailed off. Yep. And we're like, okay, Macy's doing something. And it's like, we all kind of assumed you're like just picking up pebbles and crabs and stuff like that, which probably you were doing, but we came back to you like an hour later and you were like, listen to this. And I was like kind of tuning you out for a second. I don't know that. You're like I created an Enneagram symbol and I walked the paths of integration. And I was like, what? This sounds crazy profound. I was like, say that again. You did what? It was, it really was this is what you did with your free time. <laughs> and then I came back to you and I was like, Oh my God, you guys. Some people watch the bachelor. You create the Enneagram symbol in the sand and, and walk, walk the paths of integration. <laughs> um, um, I don't know what that was related. Naranjo did that. Naranjo taught soul child. Beatrice. I feel like as we become more in touch with who the Enneagram teachers are in the schools of thought, it's becoming more and more clear to me where the like robustness is mm. and where the like, I can read sift through something and be like, Oh man, like I can read through the wisdom now and be like, Oh, they missed the mark here. Ooh. You know, like Ooh. they didn't do a great job with this subtyping. Not I think that so that's... beholden to the wisdom as you used to be. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So we're now at Maytree and this is a source that people often reference. We're and I'm peers like, I'm with Riso Hudson. It. Yeah. Okay, here it comes. Yeah, Soul Child of the One, mm-hmm. Matthew, my son Jack. <gasps> yes. Other ones that we know. Hannah Hudson. Yes. Hannah Hudson, another old student of mine. <laughs> Hannah Kais. Hannah Kais. Um, okay, here it comes. Uh, the Soul Child of the Any Type. This is actually a nine, so not Matthew. <laughs> this is Marissa, my wife, and Daniel, our friend Daniel. I don't know why I thought we were starting with one. Um, soul Child of the Nine. Okay, and just remember, that I, what I do love is this person's really blunt. They writer. say it like it is. The heart point for Any Type Nine is point three. So nine soul child first makes her appearance in a tendency to deceive and lie in order to present to another what will get approval. Like a little child who takes a cookie when mommy has told her not to or plays hooky from school pretending to be sick, a nine soul child pleads that she did not do it and that she really does have an upset stomach. Beyond the passion of lying, within every nine is a young place that wants to be seen, wants to shine, and wants to be the center of attention. So there's a little show-off, wanting to do her dance and be applauded. Behind a nine's self-abnegating tendencies lies a drivenness and often a ruthlessness about succeeding, usually well-hidden and pushed out of consciousness. Nines are often afraid of appearing too pushy and taking up too much space, which is the shadow of their soul child falling across their consciousness. The focus on doing underlies a nine's inertia, and often nines are afraid that if they start an activity, they will become driven and not be able to stop. Hmm. As a nine allows herself to get in touch with the structure inside and its qualities, she will progressively experience herself as a more complete person. Exhibitionist tendencies will transform into a sincere recognition of her personhood. She will see that being a person in her own right was not supported during her childhood, and so she became accommodating and self-absenting in order to get approval. 
Reclaiming herself as personally valuable and lovable will lead her toward the realization of herself as a personal embodiment of being, the pearl beyond price, a radiant and luminous presence independent from the constraints of her conditioning. She will gradually become free of any self-image or mental construct defining who she is and be able to contact and interact in the world liberated from the sleep of the personality. Dang. Nines. So right there, I think that's the thing. It's like going against your arrow and going back into the soul child is almost like the thing that feels really hard to do mm-hmm. and the thing that you exactly pushed up against. The like, thing you're really trying not to do. Like be a show off and be the center of attention mm-hmm. is exactly what the nines try not to do. Mm-hmm. And yet their work is to accept, is to realize that that actually is a part of who they are. Is being is wanting to be a show off and you know, wanting to be the center of attention. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard with Enneagram talk because obviously everybody's like, is this science? It's not really science, but um, you know, I do know that a lot of psychologists like the Enneagram, you know. Yeah, I'm sure there's I, I yeah. feel like there's a lot that like it and some there's probably a lot that have like lots of hate about it. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> um so it's like, is this just feel right because we're being told and we're like layering on our preconceived notions of personality through the lens of the Enneagram, whatever. But Mm -hmm. like when I think about the nines in my life there, I I am very familiar because we know them well with a, a desire to show off Mm -hmm. and it's, Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. It's there and we all see it, you know, (laughs) Like we it's see not it fully hidden and we also don't judge it. That's the thing I think we love all, it. Like go ahead and show off, you know, like do that thing you do. It's great. Yeah. Um, but they're all like, Oh no, no, I don't want anybody to see me. I'm not, I'm not here. I'm not in the room. I don't have any talent. It's like, <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do have talent. You know, I think one of the things that I know about nines in my life, I, I'll just say, let's just say it right. I'm thinking specifically of Daniel and Marissa, my wife. <laughs> they're always waiting to be asked. Like, I guess if you want me to do that, if you, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, both Marissa and Daniel are musicians. So it's like, if you want me to sing, I guess I could, you know, I almost thinking like of, uh, Kristen Wiig's character. Don't make me sing. Don't, don't make, make me sing. sing. Don't I mean, make Marissa me sing. resonates with that. Cause there is a, a vibe, a <laughs> passive aggressive vibe. Don't make me sing. It's like, do you want to but, sing? But there's that, there's that <laughs> child in them that really wants to, and yeah. wants to be the center. I also think it's interesting that they're like this, there's a part of you you as a kid that's the liar yeah. and i love this i love that it's it paints such a better robust image of the essence of like essence isn't this angelic like thing it's yes. not like the three is like oh the angelic features of a three it's like no actually you have to get in touch with some of the harshest parts of three to to then access the high side of three maybe that's you have to accept the that that's a part of you the wisdom a little bit because the wisdom makes essence be like this pure beautiful Right. Thing. And it's, I'm like, now I'm coming to understand. It was like, well, maybe it's not quite like that, you know? But also, here's a wondering out loud. Mm-hmm. Just in terms of binaries, good and bad, evil, whatever, it's like none of these things are necessarily bad qualities. Like the more aggressive, like heavy quotes, bullyish element of an eight isn't necessarily bad. It just right. is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's essence. Right, and it's like it's not bad this mm-hmm. this young three, mm-hmm. but there's the message that that didn't fit here, and so then they make the mm-hmm. archetype of the nine. It's so fascinating. <laughs> okay. All right, we can't spend too much. I know. Time. I'm like, we already have. I'm gonna to hand go. you the phone, and you're okay. gonna go right to the three. <gasps> the three, We're in the which triangle. goes to six. We're in <laughs> that triangle, everybody. Okay, the soul child of any type three. 
Six is the heart point of the Enneatype three. So behind the efficient and composed veneer of a three lies a very frightened child. Shy, timid, self-doubting, and insecure, this soul child experiences the world as a hostile and malevolent place. I already can think of threes. Others appear threatening, sometimes to the point that he may develop paranoia that they are out to get him. Mm. And no matter how many achievements a three has accomplished and how much outer success he has created, he still experiences himself deep down as one of the weaklings in the struggle for survival. Mm. In fact, all of three's efforts at attainment can be seen as a reaction to his fearful soul child, an attempt to overcome and counter this part of himself. Oh, geez. This explains why no amount of success is ever enough for him. Without digesting and integrating his soul child, the inner fear and insecurity cannot be resolved by any amount of status and power. That's Dang. it right there, I Dang. feel like. Threes. Um, from the perspective of the soul child, a three's image is an attempt to camouflage the scared and immature part of himself. Ooh. Coming to grips with this child who experiences the ground beneath him as inherently shaky and unsupportive is necessary for the development of a three. As he increasingly acknowledges his fear and sees how much of a driving force it is within his psyche, his anxious inner child will feel held and thus more secure. The allowing itself will in time transform his fear into an inner confidence, support, and ease. And a three will understand how these very qualities that he had as a young child were not tolerated or supported by his early environment. It may be that family circumstances challenges and eventually eroded his original embodiment of essential will, or that the ease with which he could do things made him a target of envy and hatred for parent, by parents Ooh. or siblings, Jeez. Ooh. Ooh. and undermined his self-confidence. Regardless of the psychodynamics, as a three-soul child is integrated into his consciousness, the more his inner ground will feel secure and solid. Through the sense of essence as his true foundation, his soul will relax into the support of being. His drivenness, fueled by his anxious soul child, will in time transform into the inner calm and effortlessness of true will. This makes so much sense. <laughs> Everybody, we're, we're just here <laughs> in real time. I haven't read that yet. I so. feel like this makes this puts the integration and the work of the three into such nice... Like, it's great language of, like, hey, the reason why you're focused on feeling like you need to success is because there is an underlying fear there. Like, that's really helpful. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Drew, who is a friend of mine who we had on the podcast yeah. um, and is a fitness instructor, yoga teacher, gym owner, small business owner. I won't exactly. And Drew is so much more than that. But, um, uh he, as a fitness person and somebody who's, you know, entered a lot of physique competitions and stuff, now that he's a little, well, I guess through his work with yoga, mm -hmm. he's able to say that, like, and maybe Drew's a three, honestly, sometimes. He says he's seven, but he hasn't done a ton of Enneagram work, and he's definitely in the, like, assertive stance. But, um... I got to think about Drew as a three, but like I, he would, he will say that his muscles mm -hmm. were like a shield. Like they, they mm. were a layer of protection mm. around him and he describes it like that. Interesting. And so to, to gain, to be less muscular felt so risky to him. And that feels like such a three thing, yeah. whether he's a three or not, it doesn't matter. It's like, I do know some other threes in my life who I'm not like super close with, but I know that they're threes and I just see that sort of like, hiding behind that shield of yeah. like success. Like my house, my muscles, honestly, my muscles. Not every not every three is like muscular, but like there's like a veneer and a and a and a 
shield of sorts. Yeah. I mean, this this line, I feel like, is the zinger. Without digesting and integrating his soul child, the inner fear and insecurity cannot be resolved by any amount of status and power. Right. You got to get in touch. And that's that's the thing. It's like it's exposing our ego. It's like we created this ego to try and compensate for this part of ourselves when really we could just accept that part of ourselves. We don't have to hide that part mm-hmm. of ourselves. But we can, if we can come to terms with it, then we can move on. I think the thing Dang. that's both a theme in Here both of go. these, Here we go. and I'm, I've got to get like in touch with this too. It's like the world isn't judging these soul children as much as we think they are. We yeah. had a bad experience as a young yeah. kid, but like I know all of us want to look at nines and say, Show off. And all of us want to look at threes and be like, will you freaking be a little bit more you can vulnerable and transparent yeah. and let us know what's going on with you? Like, what yeah. the heck? Yeah. Like, why do you have to have this fancy car and these? And why do you always have to be telling me about how good you're doing? You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, I'm 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 OK to hear about the other sides. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm I am impressed by you. I'm impressed by your success. And also, don't worry about also being vulnerable. You're safe here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Man. The six? Here comes so the, the six. So the six is soul child is a nine, which that also <laughs> is interesting and kind of makes sense. Here it goes. <laughs> what? This is a fun episode. <laughs> uh, within every six is a lazy little one. Wait. Is a lazy little one. Very nine-ish. Six doesn't go to one. Maybe, maybe, maybe they're not meaning a one type. Yeah, keep reading. Yeah. Within every six is a lazy little one, very nine-ish, who just wants to stay under the covers, doesn't want to go out and face the world, wants only to be comfortable and entertained. Because of this, sixes are often afraid that if they relax into themselves, they will become inert, hmm. never moving or bestirring themselves again. And they fear that they will neglect what they need to, to in their lives. This is, of course, because hidden from consciousness is the young part that does not want to do anything at all except luxuriate in pleasures and distractions. Hmm. This inner indolence is really the heart of a six's fear. She is perhaps more afraid of this tendency in herself than anything else, fearing that if she stops pushing herself with her false will, all will be lost and she will sink into a swamp of laziness. Hmm. If she is not making efforts, she is afraid that nothing will happen and that her life will go down the tubes. When a six courageously allows herself to stop striving and lets herself be, she may initially experience an immobility or lack of desire to do anything at all. In time, the inertia and indolence of her soul child will transform into what it is replicating, the loving holding of being, a sense of being held in the embrace of the divine, knowing herself to be made up of love and one with all of existence, the sweetness and benevolence of the universe, the dimension of living daylight, will become part of her sense of self and the fear in her soul will gradually subside as she realizes more and more completely her inextricable connection to being. Hmm. Eventually the whole mindset of being frightened of others will disappear. as She recognizes that her nature is the same as all that exists and that all sense of self and other is illusory with being as her inner ground and her perception of its con- continuity in all outer forms she has indeed found the rock she can truly stand on. <laughs> sneeze for that. <laughs> that deserves a sneeze. <laughs> it, that right there is so interesting. Like, that's an interesting thing of fear of, like, becoming inert. It also just reveals, like, that's definitely obviously not my work. It's not right, your right, work. Right, right. I don't you relate know? to it. It's I like, don't relate to it. The thing is to slow down and let yourself be. And, like, mm-hmm. the work here is to just do nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, 
for some people that is the work and for us that's like oh <laughs> i know i think it's i think what's what's the theme here so far is the exposing that we're running from the opposite right you know like right. Um, and we don't need to be running against it. Yeah. And I don't want to get caught too much in my own self, so I won't say, but I'm having new fresh thoughts about myself, but yeah, I can see, I don't, I don't relate like that really felt dead to me. Like I wasn't like, I was like, I don't relate to this, but I imagine for sixes, they're like, no, no. Yeah, no, no. I can't, I have to remain vigilant. Yes. Yes. Vigilant. Maybe, maybe they experienced something growing up where they, their laziness, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, got them in trouble, and they're just like never again. Never again. Exactly. Then they're like never. I won't let that happen again. I will be vigilant always. Yeah. God. Dang it. And it's not a real. It's not a real. I don't want to say this. It's a real fear, but it's a a a misunderstood, a misconceived fear. Yeah. You know, it's 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 that that thing that you're fearing was something that happened in childhood. That thing isn't going to happen again. You can relax. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I know. I know. That's, I, I do think of like telling McKaylee, like, just <laughs> relax. I, I know. Not, uh, one of the most enjoyable experiences in life may be seeing a six relax. Yeah, <laughs> it's honestly, a very it nice is feeling. the best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I mean, it goes to say it's like, that's like for me saying like, just be disciplined. Yeah, right. Just right. be organized. Yeah. I'm like, what? what? Yeah, just relax. No way. Yeah. Okay. Should I go on to the one? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, here we go. The soul child of the Enneagram type one. Maddie. Here we go. Yeah, Hannah, we got sevens. I read this to Maddie earlier today, and he was like, I need to get in touch with this because he couldn't. He was like, I can't remember this child in me, mm. which I was like, that's also okay. interesting. Remember. Remember. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Inside of the moralistic and righteous and upstanding stance of a one is a young child who cares nothing about being good or doing the right thing. Hmm. What? Hmm. Hmm. Um, They only want to play and have a good time and to take in all the wonderful things that life has to offer. A little seven. Mm -hmm. A one soul child wants to sample a little seven every piece of chocolate and have a bite of all of the other children's (laughs) cookies. They are a little glutton, wanting to grab exciting tidbits of everything they can get their hands on and wanting to have three different activities going on so that they can jump from one to another whenever things get monotonous. Their gluttony may reach hedonistic levels in which the suppressed essential quality of the yellow or joy. See? Colors. Colors. You got to study this book. Yellow or joy makes its distorted appearance as indulgent pleasure seeking. The all too familiar moral majority spokesperson or evangelical Christian who gets caught with their hand in the till or their pants down is the leaking through of the sensualist and bond. Bonfiant? As a one moves beyond their judgments and self-criticism and is able to allow this pleasure-seeking young part of themselves, the distorted manifestations will gradually transform. They will understand that behind their condemnations of the sinfulness and imperfections of others is an attempt to defend against their own soul child. Oof. And this does feel like it relates to reaction formation for a one. Reaction formation. Ones, look it up. Pause this episode and go, go look up reaction formation. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I see it. Do I, I don't want anybody to think that they're fooling me out there. I oh, see it happening. I know. It's true. <laughs> I react formation too. <laughs> I react formation. I react form. Um, <laughs> I react We just turn it into a verb. I love it. <laughs> um, they try so hard. 
<laughs> they tried so hard to be good because they got the message early on that their desire to have fun and play was not acceptable. Enjoyment itself was something that seemed taboo, and so life became hard work in a matter of shouldering a heavy burden. The more they penetrate their soul child's desire, the more they will get in touch with the love and delight in life itself that underlie them. Joy in the creation, the handiwork and manifestation of being will suffice their heart, and they will turn their focus away from what is wrong with everything to how wonderful it all is. Again, this feels like tough stuff to say to a one. I know. Hey, have fun. Who cares? Indulge yourself. Pleasure. It's fine. But man, if they get in touch with it. Yes. Like, okay, guys. That that seems like maybe one of the most magical things to see happen. I have a son who's 16. And so it's getting more clear as he self-identifies as a one. And he took a test last night, a very thorough test that we had to pay a lot of money for because my wife is now certified through a different tradition, which we're learning from. And so she let him take that test. And uh, definitely came out as a one, and he got percentages for all the other types. He's the least four-like. And he actively hates on fours. Yeah, yeah. Or I think he's <laughs> mystified by fours and confused by fours. But um, I've watched Chuck and his dad, you know, and um, his young self, and again, if ones could hear this, was his, his current self is great, and his younger self was great. And his current self was... His his young self was obliviously obliviously pleasure seeking, in my opinion. Hmm. I have a um, video where I gave him some hot chocolate, and I gave him a little dish of uh, marshmallows. This is why when you brought the cookies, I think of Jack. Like, and he's in theory supposed to put the marshmallows in the hot chocolate. And, yeah. Um, I have the video like zoomed in on his face, and he just like keeps eating the marshmallows very quickly. It's like (laughs) eight rounds of shoving marshmallows in his face and like more and more and it's getting full and I'm like laughing, but it's like, I think he was just very like sweetly indulgent. Like, yeah, yeah, marshmallows, hot chocolate, sweets, fun, you know, life. And then some, something happens. Yeah. It makes, this whole thing makes me rethink when I'm working with children, Mm -hmm. like what I'm seeing in them now, I'm like, is this the soul child I'm seeing and like, is this kid going to grow up to be this type? Mm-hmm. You know, now, now like the thoughts that I had, cause I like in my head, obviously only in my head, everybody will look at children and be curious yeah. about like wh- who they will become and mm-hmm. what's happening psychologically mm-hmm. for them. And now this is really interesting looking at certain kids and being like, Oh my gosh, like this it provides a different insight. I feel like. Are you a five? You're acting eight. Like, are you going to be a five? (laughs) 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 Okay, Okay. ones. We're moving on to sevens. We love you, ones. We're out of the triangle now. We are. We're in that hexad, everybody. Here comes the seven. Within every seemingly magnanimous and happy-go-lucky seven is a a very miserly withholding (laughs) and withdrawing soul child, a little five. She holds on to what she has tenaciously storing all of her candy and her toys away so that the other kids cannot get at them and take them from her. Driven by fear of loss and an inner sense of scarcity, she feels empty inside and afraid no more sustenance will come her way. For all of a seven's apparent gregariousness, optimism, and interest in life, this young place inside wants to hide from life and connect with it from a distance. This soul child can also be a nerdy little know-it-all who relies (laughs) primarily on her intellect. It is like that in a seven's childhood. 
her reclusive, self-enclosing, and solitary tendencies were not allowed, and that she got the message that she needed to be more externally oriented and buoyant. It is also likely that her mental skills got supported and developed at the expense of a more innate and intuitive understanding, turning her into a little egghead who felt disconnected from the other kids. A, <laughs> a seven sunniness became a way of masking and defending against her inner sense of scarcity and of not hmm. belonging, hmm. not feeling part of the group or family and not fitting in. It is very difficult for a seven with her need to be cheery, optimistic, and enthusiastic about things to acknowledge this withdrawn, frightened, Mm. and reclusive young part of herself. What feels the most difficult is the sense of scarcity that drives her soul child, the parched inner emptiness and dryness, Mm. which initially feels life-threatening for a seven to make contact with. The more she does not judge and reject this part of herself, the more that avaricious and isolating tendencies will transform, especially at her sense of being an ultimately separate entity. And thus one who is cut off from the rest of existence is challenged. Her geeky nebishy, don't know that word, and bookish qualities will transmute into true and embodied knowing that of the diamond consciousness. What? <laughs> what? There's parts of this book that we don't know about. <laughs> what is the diamond consciousness? <laughs> I've reached <laughs> diamond status. I want I want it. I want diamond consciousness. This is like really getting Scott right now. I'm that laughing at how guard. much you're laughing. That got me on guard. Diamond consciousness? That sounds crazy. <laughs> I want to know about it though. <laughs> What does it, it mean? <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I have to stop. I have to. I have to keep. Scott reading. has I'm to gonna, calm I down. I can finish that. it if you need. As her sense of ultimate separation from being and from others comes into question, in her inner desert. <laughs> okay. 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 I don't think it's that funny. Oh but my it's gosh! Really I just funny. was caught off guard. <laughs> I was so caught off guard. As her sense, I diamond consciousness. It's like I'm driving and I turned a corner and saw it. You know, I'm like diamond consciousness. What? (laughs) (laughs) As her sense of ultimate separation from being and from others comes into question, and her inner desert blooms with all of the flowers of essence, her soul will truly know directly. She will feel part of the whole, understanding experientially that separation is impossible, and her okayness will be real rather than reactive. That's a good Whoa, word. Oh, yeah. I, I felt that more because I'm a five, and so I want to be like, it's cool, sevens. Yeah. Like, it's fine. Like, come on over. It's part of yourself. Yeah. Love it. It's cool. Go for You'll it. You'll be okay. Yeah. And then also, I was really shocked to be reading that and thinking... About the diamond consciousness? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I honestly don't relate to the eggishness. I, I think that's one of the things we might be discovering as we keep talking is... Sometimes when we're doing Enneagram work, somebody encourages you to go back to your early stage. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, my early stage, I don't remember being five-like, honestly. Right, right. You know? Um, I don't know when it started to happen, but like... Well, no, exactly. Like, I look at myself as a young kid, and I'm like, I wasn't, like, hyper, like, creative and, like, needing to... I, I, right. Like, I was fitting in more mm-hmm, and trying mm-hmm. to fit in and be right, honestly. Go back and listen to the podcast. That's true. I mean, when you reflect on your young self. Really? 
Yeah, whenever you say that, you know, your young self doesn't sound that for like. No, it doesn't. Yeah. It, it's like good. Each, and I, I talk. We'll get into it. We'll get into we'll it. Get into it. But yeah, it does sound like around ninth grade, something starts to happen for you. You know, is it ninth grade? I mean, maybe some I things like start to emerge with your bows and your <laughs> your funny shirt bows, oh. <laughs> that was which still, I never understood. That but. was still elementary. That was like fifth grade. <laughs> yeah, but um, that's sad for me. I think of sevens. My brother probably is a seven. Um, we, I know a lot of sevens, and I and I'm now very curious about what their experience of childhood was. I like. know, I know. Now I'm going to ask yeah. everyone like, what were you like as a yeah. child? <laughs> uh, okay, here comes fives. Fives. We're going to save it. it? So you're going to read uh, eights. Okay. Soul child of the eight. <laughs> Rebecca, Bobby, eight friends. So this is going to be a, a, a two in them. Oh, and yeah. I'm going to give you a warning. Everybody, there's a bad word in this. I can oh, see it already. Oh, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Within the tough and no-nonsense eight who delights in testing her grit and that of others, dominating and controlling life and triumphing over any adversary lies a needy, clingy, and lonely little two-ish soul child who is desperate to be loved and held. Dang. Yep. Yep. I think this one, I feel like when people are talking about the archetypes, the the pardoning of this soul child feels the most dominant when people are just discussing it. Like mm. a lot of eights I hear talk about like a time when they remember their childhood self and they said, I can't. I can't mm, be vulnerable again. Okay, like that. I have to put this okay. Up. Maybe they're a little bit more in tune with the soul child than most. Maybe, or maybe it's just like more dramatic. Yeah. Um, an eighth <laughs> soul child wants to snuggle up to others, get as Aww. close as possible, and can I be see pretty that. insistent and demanding about it. Beneath an eighth show off strength is this soul child who is filled with all of the emotions that she considers weak, needing others, fearing rejection, insecurity, and a deep sense of sadness and loneliness. Within that sense, her contactful and loving qualities were not wanted as a child. And Nate reacted essentially by saying fuck you to everyone she felt dependent upon mm. and set out to prove that she didn't need anyone or anything. She hid what felt like her vulnerable soft underbelly behind a veneer of callousness and in the process closed down her openness and reciprocity. Reciprocity. Res- no, that's not the word, though. Oh. Res- Ooh. Receptivity. Receptivity. That is the word. Good, 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 um, good. As an eight contacts the defensiveness behind her pride and the sense of rejection and neediness that underlie it, it may feel as though her whole world will collapse. She has done everything she cannot, she can to not experience these weak places in her soul and often feels that she will not survive if she allows them to emerge. As she lets herself contact her neediness and pain, her heart can open up again and her soul can be a can become permeable. She can be touched once again, and she contacts reality with less and less of a thick, defended skin. She will gradually feel more and more connected with life. Instead of trying to wrestle life with what she needs, she will find her soul relaxing, melting, and merging with her essential nature, whose honey-like mer- wait, whose honey-like nectar fills mm. her soul mm. in the form of merging gold. Mm. This is... Is this gold? She's using gold some language. Red, yellow, gold. Instead of fighting with reality, she will be united with it, and she will Diamond progressively, and as she progressively surrenders more and more fu- fully into this being, she will find fulfillment and loving union rather than the capitulation she has feared. Ooh. Wow. Eights. Eights. That one feels really like a very tender and like significant move. I don't know. Maybe it's because eights are so. 
Eights are different than threes, and in a, in a, of course they're different than threes. But like mm-hmm. these assertive types, three sevens and eights. I feel like eights aren't necessarily going to lead with vulnerability, but they will. I feel like the ones I know at least will admit it quicker. They'll be like, "Yeah, that's me too." It's hard. Yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll say it directly. They won't be like, oh, two. Oh, mm. They won't be like soft about it, but like, yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. No, I think eights are able to be like, yeah, I have a really tough time being vulnerable. Yeah. As we're a three, I feel like because of the, the potential Threes are like, I am being vulnerable. And you're like, no, you're there's not. There's like, it, they may be even self-deceived to not realizing <laughs> there's like a fearful self inside of them. Oh, man. It's a it, it's a real trippy thing. I, I, I guess you could say in their own, every every number can throw me off in their own way, but threes and nines in their deception can throw me off in the sense that like I'm not being deceived. I'm watching it happen and I'm like, I'm not tricked. (laughs) I see it. Stop doing it. Stop. (laughs) Nobody's fooled by this little magic trick you're doing. (laughs) It's that is actually somewhat true. I can think of some threes and I have, I have a friend that recently we've been talking a lot about her like personality and we've been she's a three and we've been talking like in depth about mm-hmm. it it's been like very fun and i think that you want to if you want to bond with macy and be a friend it's true just call macy up and ask about the Enneagram. honestly it was <laughs> like this, i had like the best day of my life the other day when two of my friends did this for me i was like oh my gosh you want to know more you want to know more um <laughs> But I do, I think that's the thing. It's like, I don't know if it's because we have the Enneagram language or what, but it's like, it does become, especially if I know someone is a certain number and they, we've talked about it, we know it, it's like, it's, it becomes more and more apparent, you know? I mean, it's the same thing for like me. It's like my interjection becomes more and more apparent. It's like, we're not being fooled or we're not like, it's it loses some of its power in a yeah, lot of I'm ways. Like, you're interjecting. You're Stop like, that. Easy. And yeah. you're like, no, I'm not. And I'm like, you know you are. <laughs> you're the some, one that's told me about it. I think it. I sometimes admit it. No, no. I'm, I'm joking, actually. I'm not, even, I'm not even referencing a real time. Yeah. Because um, you actually name it before anybody else. But um, Gotta beat you to it. Okay. okay. Eights. Eights. Love you, eights. Now we're going to twos. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. What's going to happen? <laughs> they go to four. <laughs> so I will say, I'm, I haven't read this, and I'm, I have my mom in mind, and I've been spending a lot of time today looking at old videos, so I'm mm-hmm. wondering like what emotions are going to come up for me when I read about my mom. Yeah. Um, soul Child of Two. Behind the loving, giving, and helpful outer facade of a two lies a competitive, jealous, and spiteful little four-ish soul child. <laughs> <laughs> Twos try to present themselves as sweet and kind, self-sacrificing and humble, all of which can be seen as very much a reaction to the darker tendencies of their soul child. Jeez. This is a little boy inside who wants to scream, I hate you, to the other little boy who got the teacher or mommy's attention. Pull his hair and tell him how awful he is and how stupid he is. He is very observant about who gets how many cookies, tries to grab the most and the best, and reacts with spite and venom if he does not get what he wants. Low-key, this is like totally the nature of me, like a four at its worst. <laughs> you relate to the four? It's like when I relate to the seven yeah, and the five. No, yeah, I can see it. He is filled with envy, believing the other kids have what he lacks and that they are better than he, cuter and more lovable. He can be bitchy and backstabbing, vindictive and huffy. For a two, the negativity and pettiness of his soul child are often initially difficult to acknowledge and tolerate. It hmm. threatens all of his pretense of open-heartedness and harmlessness. 
But most of all, it puts him first. This is, in fact, the very thing necessary for a two's unfoldment, getting in touch with himself as central. As a two contacts his soul child and instead of rejecting him, judging him and pushing him away, opens his heart to him, he will become primary in his own consciousness. This is very taboo for a two who learned that being self-centered set him up for parental disapproval. He will find that as he focuses more on himself, listening to and filling his own needs, responding to his own impulses and taking his own initiative, recognizing his limits and setting them with others, he indeed becomes more centered within himself. This is not the negative thing he had feared, signifying loss of love and becoming more selfish to him, but rather as a doorway into his personal connection of being. The more he takes care of himself instead of others, in other words, the more he connects with the spark of the divine within, realizing himself as the point. Instead of having others be the point of his existence around whom he orbits, he finds himself one with being, a star in his own universe. Yeah. Oh, I think that's real. Beatrice Chestnut talked about it, and she was like, yeah, for me, when I'm like consciously integrating, it is like putting my own needs first and being... I mean, we talk about this, we joke about this. I'm like unapologetically self-absorbed it's like it just is a little bit of my reality i can't deny that fact i don't know if you are unapologetically though am i apologizing for being self-absorbed often (laughs) (laughs) you're self-aware about it okay (laughs) i am i'm self-absorbed at least i feel like i'm unapologetic do i you are apologetic Really? (laughs) (laughs) I'll be like, I'm sorry, I'm so self-absorbed. No, you'll you'll sometimes be like, I'm an ass person, (laughs) and that's feel like that's an apology. It's like a certain. I'm like, no, you're not. You know, no, you're not. (laughs) That is like my go-to phrase. (laughs) I'm an asshole. (laughs) I'm like, no, you're not. (laughs) Um, but I do think it's like, yeah, get in touch with that self that self-absorption be the center of your universe like that's what (laughs) yeah like i i can give that i can give that advice to a seven and you're giving that to a two right exactly i'm like yeah go for it go for it trust that that's an amazing thing lean into that i mean because i've leaned into that my whole life and now i'm like (laughs) i can do other things on those things but it's like go for it yeah what would a one say to you you know if a one was in the room they'd be like macy they would probably be like like being this is good this is the right like a good thing i don't know what they would say actually i don't uh they would probably say it's like it it makes life more manageable Mm -hmm. and like easier like i think for me and we'll get into it but it's like the the one is a very grounding move for me Um, maybe maybe what i'm thinking is what a one can say and what a five can say to a, a seven and what a four can say to a one right or two i mean is like I exist. I'm fine. I'm fine as before. I mean, I have issues, but like the things you fear aren't going to destroy you. Right. Uh, Well, yeah. And that's the thing too, is maybe like I live with Matthew and he's a one and I've known that one is my quote unquote integration number for this whole time. So I do observe him and think I have access to some Mm -hmm. of the things that he does. Mm -hmm. And I watch him sometimes and I'm like, well, I I could be doing that. I could do that kind of thing. You know, (laughs) it's, it's inspiring sometimes. Yeah. It'd be really cool to live with an eight. I I bet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. We did it. Okay, so you guys, when we come back... We're at an hour 15. We're going to briefly... We'll do our best, but we'll get into Scott and I's soul children. I have a letter that I'm going to read that I wrote to my dad when I was a kid, and I feel like it's it's really funny. And then we'll just reflect on our soul children. Yes, when we come back. 
everybody, we're back, and I'm now going to read the soul child of the Enya Type 5, which is Scott. During this last break, we took a brief moment to look at some old home videos of Scott as an angry little child. Show off child. It's amazing. So here we go. Inside of every self-enclosed, withdrawn, and quiet fives lives a little eight-ish soul child who dreams of getting even and of devouring endless pints of ice cream. <laughs> this soul child delights in getting down and dirty, slogging it out with the other kids, and lustfully immersing himself in life. His soul child may show up as a five, as a five curses the other drivers within the isolation of his own car, as he screams at the referee while watching a football game on TV, or as he condemns all the politicians as crooks while listening <laughs> to the evening news. <laughs> Called out <laughs> when he wakes up at 3 a.m. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> a five soul child can be a little bully and a little bigot, convinced that he is right and close to any other possibilities. He may be defensive and denying about any perceived weakness, reacting with aggression when challenged. We did just watch a video of Scott as a child freak out about a call of the <laughs> casual backyard <laughs> baseball game. <laughs> he can be punitive and vindictive, wanting to get even with others when he feels they have wronged him. For a five, these tendencies of his soul child can be challenging to acknowledge and allow since they betoken a zesty and gutsy engagement with life that appears very threatening. Mm. As a child, his wholehearted and passionate engagement in life for one reason or another was not supported. His vibrancy and aliveness, his strength and his courage, his embodiment of the essential aspect of the red. The red, someday. Diamond consciousness! <laughs> was damped down. The vindictive and self-avenging tendencies of a soul child, when it first appears, may well be his soul's response to this stifling. In reaction to his red not having been allowed, is it spiral dynamics? Sounds like maybe. It might be Spiral Dynamics. <laughs> that actually, that makes a little more sense yeah, to me. We yeah. can do a whole episode on Spiral Dynamics, by Bam. the way. Episode 103, next week. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, a five withdrew and cut himself off from his own vitality. As he allows his lusty and dynamic soul child to surface, a five will gradually reconnect with his aliveness and will progressively feel more a part of life itself. As he integrates his soul child, his knowing becomes more embodied and inclusive since his heart and his belly also become involved. As he contacts the courage to face the unknown, his life becomes a more and more becomes more and more of an exciting and engaging adventure that he is fully and heartily immersed in. Now, so Please. now we have a real person in the room to talk about this. Yeah. How so, does that feel? So again, the soul child thing to me has felt so nice because it has been hard to connect with a sense of fiveness in my younger self because I can relate to all of this. It's like an earthiness. It's like a, a wanting to devour life for all it's worth. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a recklessness. It's, um, it's like a middle finger to everything. Like mm -hmm. I just remember being like, I'm going for it. Like life is about going for it. Like, you, you know, all in all aspects. Yeah. And, and reveling in any sort of like attention I got for seeming weird or crazy or like aggressive. I'm like, yeah, that's, you know, I just remember feeling in my gut, honestly, like I could sense it. This video, another video, it's Scott skateboarding and he like is doing okay at this thing, but like not doing the best. Yeah. And you can see your anger and like, <laughs> you're trying to flip the skateboard up and can't do it. And it's like, you're angrily trying again. And yeah. then you go off, you go farther away. And what's the phrase? Like, keep the camera on yeah, me. Yeah. I'm going to do it. Yeah, And the <laughs> anger isn't like, Oh no, I'm angry. It's like, I'm angry. And and I want the attention on me and keep the camera on yeah, me. Yeah, there's no shame. There's no there apology. Like no shame. Yeah. It's like the anger was fueling yeah. you to be better. 
And I'm watching that being like, that wasn't like a day in the life. It's like, that's, that's it. That was me always. Like I'm always arguing with my dad. I'm always picking on my cousins and brothers. I'm always just running around causing trouble, honestly. Yeah. You know, and my mom, maybe I should read my mom's text. You should, you should for sure read your mom's text. It's really, I feel like I read it and I was like, geez, I know. So I sent my, I sent my mom, I asked her to describe me as a young kid. My mom's a two, and she's so sweet. I mean, I'm having very sweet feelings about my mom today. Um, I think we're both having sweet feelings about our parents as we connect with our children. She didn't um, know why I was asking this, so she doesn't know, like, she's not trying to, like, articulate an eight or Mm -hmm. talk about an Enneagram. So um, her initial response was, wow, that's an interesting question. Um, I know after dad's, my dad had a kidney transplant um, when I was, like, like, 14 or 15, uh, when we moved to th- this new house, a change happened. So she, she, that was her first response. That's probably you picking up the five. Yeah, probably. And so she goes, so between four and ten. I asked her to describe me between four and ten. Very arbitrary season, but I just said four and ten. She goes, so many thoughts. You were always very curious. You could memorize anything. Complete books. You were very active, huge imagination, and liked to play act at anything. Your fashion depended on what you saw or read. You were fashion conscious, but not to fit in or be like others. You just liked dressing in whatever persona you were at the time. You know, in kindergarten, you were the only one that chose to wear a shirt and tie to school, but only on the days the mood hit you. (laughs) (laughs) You were sassy, especially at home, argued, and once you stated an opinion, you would dig in your heels and not budge, even if you were proven wrong. Jeez. You were always a strong leader. Even as a four-year-old, you organized the neighbors. You had a mischievous and independent side of you. This is like verbatim. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And she goes, you were pretty black and white. So she said again. She kept going. She said, more thoughts to come, and then texted more. You were pretty black and white. You got along with all different types of people, very eclectic with friends, from four to ten, you had some very unique friends. Of course, the regular ones that were like you, but also ones that others might make fun of. I feel like that's the justice-oriented yeah. eight. You were able to see past their odd, different social status and enjoy the inside person. I always admired that about you. You could hyper-focus, not as much as my brother, but you still had those moments. You liked to draw. You liked playing games. I didn't see you as an introvert until 10th grade. Wow. You were athletic, but not super disciplined in sports. You liked it for fun, not necessarily for teams. You had a big imagination. You weren't moody. You were creative. You were protective of your brothers. I was the oldest of three brothers. You loved to dance. You were bossy. Before junior high, you loved talk time. That's my mom talking to me before bed. And never wanted me to leave and always had one more thing to say. Oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) That's sweet for my mom. Yeah, but does it it feel... How does it feel hearing that about you? I mean, mean, for the sake of this episode and just this conversation... It, I, I wonder if I wonder how other people felt hearing their soul child read. Like, yeah. it feels like a distant self that I would love to reconnect with or integrate or, you know, have more contact with. You know, it, it would feel so life giving to me. I liked that person. I liked life. Yeah. You know, I feel like this has been really good and also eventually, but like, I think this has been really good in making it. M- the the integration like you've been saying I want to be more eight like I feel like this is this is how like mm-hmm. figuring this out and going here and be like no I already actually have that inside mm-hmm. of me that's been there the whole time I don't know if we said this on air but I think it proves the point like we have some misconceptions 
So for me as a as an eight soul child, I think if you watch this if you if you watch these videos and have them potentially play out day in and day out. Mm-hmm. You know, eventually I guess perhaps it, it wears on you the feedback you're getting. Well, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are responding to this by being like can't you mm-hmm. can't stop, you stop, calm stop. down? Can't yeah. you like the Scotty thing? Uh, I posted a video on Instagram. You can hear it. Like, oh, I, yeah. I actually didn't get the whole video on that, which is, is kind of sad, but that's fine. Um, Everyone's yelling, Scotty, stop, Scott, Scotty, stop. Scotty, Scotty. And and as I got older, I do remember that being a constant. I I think I probably mentioned this on the podcast, but like everywhere I went, mm-hmm. my church, my house, my house, um, I'm I'm sort of arguing. You know, mm-hmm. arguing. I'm always arguing, and the 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 tension in the room is I'm arguing with a person who's getting mad and frustrated, and please stop. Yeah. But then the rest of the house is is like, I just heard this everywhere, and I became very triggered by it. Like friends and family always did. It. Scott, you know, like I'm like, wow, I don't like this, and then you did this, and it's like in the background, it's like Scott, and everybody's like, can you please drop it, knock it off, you know? And I'm like, I'm not even now now. As an older person, I'm like, I think I have a problem with this. I might say something. I'm going to give 10 disclaimers. Right. And I'm really paranoid. But at yeah, the time, I was can't. like, I don't like that. Yeah. And That's you just, dumb. It was unbound. It was just whatever. And everybody's like, shut up. You know? And I'm like, wait, what? You know? And I think uh, over time, you're like. Then you've learned. Yeah. Oh, fine. I, you know? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's just so interesting like to think about the seven and then putting out this like egghead energy mm-hmm. that, as they said in this description. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that wasn't you as a kid, right? It's, it's weird to think that we, we all put out an aggressive energy that got critiqued almost. No, that's exactly yeah. what the thing is. It's like that part of you that you were putting out, then you somehow got a message that that didn't fit. And so yeah. then you created this other mold. Right. It's so Which weird is to really think strange. about. That's strange. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, it's all so weird, but I can, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's been really fun even just today, like seeing those videos and seeing, hearing from your mom, like it, it makes sense. And I can see that eight in you. Mm. I think that's like another mm. thing is like, as a friend, I can see that it's there <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, you got it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's getting and, in touch with that. I feel like this is like this is so cool. And and if we can integrate it, that's like that's a good word. Like the integration is like, it's not going to come out as a snotty little kid. It's going to come across a little bit more disciplined and kind, right? Because it's it's you're embracing it with as a forty year old. You're yeah. embracing it as someone who understands. You know, yeah. it's it's different. But like what I say, like we all know, like. uh a two acting a little bit more four, like a seven acting a little bit more five, like whatever they have underneath the surface in terms of their paranoia of what that's going to stir up isn't really real. Right. Well, I mean, it, it's going to be hard and it's going to be challenging in that, like it's going to feel uncomfortable and people aren't used to that in you. So like, I think that's the thing that is the, the other challenge of it. If it's like, if you embrace eight and start being asserting yourself more, um, like it's, it could potentially lead to people being like that. They don't expect that of you. And then it's mm. uncomfortable and it's like that whole process, but it's like, you just have to go for it. I feel like. The, the, let me just try this word out. Okay. And see what your response is to it. It, it could be the burden. And I'm using this in heavy quotes, mm-hmm. heavy, heavy quotes. Cause everybody can do this, but I sense this sometimes 
the combination of the five eight, just that back and forth combo. Yeah, seems because I because I have a very strange relationship with this word like profit like. Mm-hmm. So like the combination of the five research with the eight energy is like. I, I've, I've thought about this and now I'm going to say something and I know it's going to disrupt you. Right. And it's just like a bit of a burden. It's like, yeah. Cause it's like, you know, you have it. You've like, I've got the knowledge. I could like spin circle. Like you're probably you're like, I could spin circles and you explaining why this is. And I could assert yeah. myself, but it's like, I, and you haven't given the time to this. You haven't even thought about it that yeah. much. I've yeah. been thinking about it for months. Yeah. You know, but, but part of me would just wants to hoard it and not say anything. I mean, now we're really getting into the idea of like justice issues. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, we were watching, I was watching on Facebook today, several people that I follow on Facebook out in the streets um, documenting on Facebook Live homeless folks getting kicked out of their encampments. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, that's a good energy for me. Like the idea of like, I see it on TV, I'm going now. I'm going down there right now. I'm like... I'm so in awe of people that just like, they just got up off their couch and went down. I'm mm-hmm. like, I would need weeks of notice, mm-hmm. but I do love that. Like, no. And your kid like self might've been like, that's ridiculous. Going yeah, down there. I'm going. No. And everybody's like, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean? What am I doing? Screw you. But I'm down here. I'm yeah. down here. Yeah. Look at this. Look at this. Look yeah. at this wrongness. Part of me really loves that, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it also comes with like, oh, you're annoying. You know, stop, stop bringing this up. It's uncomfortable, you know? And, Right. And it's like maybe even kind of going back to that and being retelling yourself some messages like hearing, oh, you're annoying being like. I mean, I was kind of watching this thing with my dad in this video and I'm like, I think I'm still kind of right. I was <laughs> like, I think he made a bad call. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, like parents aren't infallible. You know, I think I, I think I was right and he didn't want to admit it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Moral of the story there. OK, well, that's good. I mean, uh, we could talk about that all day, but I think we'll go to the four now and. Okay. I think we're just we're just setting the table for more talk. I know we're gonna obviously this. continue to talk about yeah. our child like selves with each other. I would just sum up to say like yes. I, I would like to get in touch with a more visceral yeah. gut oriented way of in the video you're life. skateboarding and you skateboard as a kid and Scott and I are gonna start taking up skateboarding <laughs> to get in touch with I your know. soul child. I, and I really have a big bruise on my ankle today from yesterday and I kinda love it. Really? Yeah. I am I am nervous of falling. It's very obvious as I get on the board, but I do eventually want some battle wounds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, here, we, here go. we go. Finale, Macy Mooney. Going to a one, soul child. Within the dramatic, intense, and emotional facade. Facade! Four <laughs> is a bossy and pushy little one-ish soul child who is intent on all the other little kids behaving properly. <laughs> Seeing to it that none of them jumps the line, that their clothes are tidy, and that their manners are good. The soul child is a goody two-shoes, prim and proper, and critical of all those who don't follow the rules. She is a stickler for fairness and correctness and gets quite angry when the other kids are bad. They are the problem children who need to be straightened out. And in this, we see the four's tendency to blame others for their problems, as well as their defensiveness when an imperfection about them is pointed out. Uh Uh-oh. Acknowledging this self-righteous and resentful little soul child is difficult for a four. I'm already getting excited to hear you reflect on this. (laughs) Since it feels like her biggest flaw, opening up to tremendous self-attack and self-hatred, rather than imploding her aggression and directing it toward herself, bringing her soul child to consciousness is really a huge part of solving her inner suffering. The more she sees it, the more she can acknowledge her defensiveness and her need to be right. And in so doing, her soul is gradually able to relinquish its control. 
Mm. Understanding her need to control others and make them do what she wants will expose her lack of perception of the perfection of things as they are, and more important, of her own perfection. As she progressively integrates her soul child, she will see how the purity, luminosity, and inherent brilliancy of her soul were not allowed or mirrored in her childhood. Losing touch with the aspect of brilliancy, which she most embodied, she felt damaged and developed in reaction a personality style based on estrangement and abandonment and longing for connection outside of herself. The more she integrates her soul child, the more the little do-gooder will transform into a shining sense of inner completeness, perfection, and elegance. Instead of living a life based on envy or on mourning and longing from afar for contact, she will find that the completeness she seeks is within and that the grass inside is very brilliant indeed. (laughs) The grass inside. Um, Here we go. The reflection. The reflections. I for sure relate in a lot of ways. I feel like I wasn't necessarily bossy, although maybe I was. Um, And I definitely like to be right, and I definitely did as a kid. I have reflections from my parents. It's not quite as, like, aggressive as Scott is in being, like, this is legit a little eight child. And my mom brought the real two energy of wanting to send lots of thoughts. Lots of thoughts. But I talked to my dad today, which was good, and I'll get into that. But I was, as a young kid, I remember, like, I was very much oriented on being good and doing good and being the best that I could be and, like, nervous that I was going to fail and for sure a goody two shoes could not like, like it was like, I told on my siblings all the time. Wow. You know, like that I did. I for sure told on my siblings and not me. That was really annoying to them. Yeah. That's, that's like your, your modern personality that I know you today is like, it, it, like the last person to like, quote unquote, be a snitch, you know? <laughs> right. And I was as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, I, when I was talking to my dad, he was, I was like, what was I like? Blah, blah, blah. And he was like, you know, I consider you like an oldest child, even though I grew up in like a weird family where I was kind of the baby, but was my dad's oldest. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, he was like, you have oldest child traits. And mm-hmm. I was like, what does that mean to you? And he was like, you were super responsible. I could always count on you to mm-hmm. do the right thing. I could always count on you to kind of like keep other kids in check. Like it was, you were responsible mm-hmm. and very eager to please like and that is just the truest trait of me like I was I would do anything that like someone said I had to do Hmm. and I remember this memory is like a very stick in my brain memory but I remember one time I lied to my dad and I felt no so bad and Mm. it was like the worst thing I could have ever done Mm. and I got in trouble and I remember my dad coming home and like like, to me, it was like the world had ended, that mm. I had done this wrong thing, and I was a bad person, that I was, like, a liar. I couldn't be. I had to be, like, an outstanding person. Mm. I, like, felt that as a kid. Um, I don't know when it, like, slowly started to fade, because I was also very sensitive. So it's, like, I can relate in the, like, four sense of I was always very emotional, even from a young age, and I was really anxious as a kid. Mm. So I don't know how much that is, like, one for or just like anxiety. Yeah. You know, it's like I don't I don't know where that factor is. Um but no, I can I can like embarrassingly relate to this one part because I think there's a part of me that like resented that moral side of me that needed to tell on people. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't 
necessarily want to be doing that, but I was like, I have to. It's what I need to do. Yep. This is this is what needs to be done. Um, and so I'm like <laughs> telling on people, and it's annoying. I think there's an eightness to that too. I think fours and fives are so similar in a lot of ways because if if eights are so hell bent on justice, you know, I just remember bolting out of a bus one day because my friend swore on the bus, and I was like, I'm telling your mom. And <laughs> I ran. I was like, I looked at him, and I'm like. He knew. He was, I was like, I'm getting to your mom before you can because I'm faster than you. Oh, my goodness. And I just remember running as fast as I could. I'm like, I am. Were you mad? Oh, yeah. And, and you could say vindictive. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know if mine would be mad. Like, for me, it was like almost guilt if I didn't. Oh. Like, I was oh, really guilt ridden That's as really a kid. good to get in touch with that emotion because I would have felt self-righteous and indulgent. I'm like. This is going to be like a, a very satisfying thing. I've got you. Wow. I've got you. And I'm, I mean, that's yeah, the thing. Yeah, that's like you get interesting. You in touch with a soul child. I'm like, I can get in touch with this. Like, I am, I am running as fast as I can. I'm so excited to tell this mom. That is so interesting. <laughs> Mine definitely wasn't, if I, I probably wouldn't tell on a kid in that way. Yeah. Maybe. But I would be like, you shouldn't say that. Oh, yeah. And no, I, I would like, be like nervous that they did. Um. Now, the funny thing was, is like the mom did open the door and I told and she was like, you don't really think that's a problem in our family. And I was like, Ugh. what? <laughs> he swore. <laughs> he says swear word. Like, and he's like sidling up. and I'm like, he should be in trouble. <laughs> okay. This is what my mom said about me. Sensitive and emotional. Hmm. Always trying to please. You had a few really good friends, but not lots. <laughs> you were loyal to the friends you had. Mm-hmm. And then this sweet, my parents were really reflective in their mm. texts to me about their parenting. She said, looking back, I think you struggled to find your place in the family. We always called you the glue, but maybe you didn't feel that way. Which I think that this is, this is something to think about. My dad expressed this. Like, I think I had a lot of pressure on me as mm. a kid to be this. Like, I was, in terms of my family relationship, the only kid, like the only person related to everyone. And now I was my parents' only kid and I had siblings from both sides. And I think that was very confusing for me. And I don't I don't know when the message was that like I couldn't be this goody two shoes responsible one like person. Because in a lot of ways I think I was almost supported in that. Hmm. Like my dad today was like I like put so much of myself and my hopes in you. Mm -hmm. And like, I had like high expectations mm. for you. And I was like, as a kid, very much like the apple of my dad's eyes. Like I will do what you guys tell me you need me to do to be like this shining star of a kid for other people. Mm. Like I will be the good kid. Mm. I will do that. Like, okay, let's do this. this. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. my, da my dad said that he thinks it was because I was like surrounded by chaos that I was like, felt like I needed to be the, like the good thing in the midst of it, which I'm, I think right. that might be true. And then I was like, actually now I'll be chaos. Mm. Um, uh, and then my dad said, I refer, I recall referring to you as an oldest first child because you are our first. Like mom said, you were connection slash bound to extended families. On that note, you were loved and respected by all the extended. That's nice. <laughs> um, you were slash still are very smart and easy to talk with. For me, I enjoyed having deep conversations with you at a young age. For certain things, you were very scared. Example, first days of school, train rides, piano recitals. On these days, I felt like I pushed you too much or didn't take the time to understand, acknowledge your feelings. On other things, you were very confident. Example, school, sports, creativity. So, I mean, it's not like a blatant one reading that. It's like. Well, it's through a filter of your parents' 
experience and perception of you. You you know what's going on inside of you. And if you were able to find some old videos of yourself. Like I know. I, I will be really curious yeah. what I was like. But I do think like in elementary school and honestly through high school, uh, it's probably started middle school, high school. I was just like very, very focused on doing the right thing. I Even in high that. school. A little bit in late high school. Bloomer. I think you have. I am bloomer. a late bloomer. Yes, that's that is true about yeah. me. Um, it was kind of towards the end of high school that I was like, "Why am I doing all these things? I'm not doing them for me." Mm-hmm. Kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I'm gonna read this letter that I wrote to my dad. Oh, this is so good. And I think that this what letter. Age? What age? I think I'm like ten. Ten. Here um, we go. I'll show you a picture because it's like my little handwriting. Aw. Um. And I read it to Matthew, and it is kind of this combination of a four and a one, I feel like, wrapped up in a letter. Side note, um, in terms of handwriting, uh, coming at you pretty soon is going to be an episode on dreams. Oh, it's true. Look at that little handwriting. That's so sweet. That's better than your current handwriting. (laughs) It's not what you're saying because you look at my dreams. can't read it. I'm like, what? (laughs) I can read most of it, but I'm like, what's this word? (laughs) Okay. Here we go. This is young Macy. I'm, like, very proud of this letter I wrote. (laughs) Dear Dad, (laughs) I know we have been having some problems with Zoe and her biting. That's my dog. You think that I am a wimp when she bites me. I clearly think I am not being a wimp. Okay, okay, a little uh, preface. We, when my dog did something bad, we didn't say no. My dad read somewhere that you're supposed to say wrong and that dogs hear it differently. So okay. we always said wrong. We'd be wrong. like, Zoe, wrong. That was the phrase. I had, I had a friend who, whose dad somewhere read the, that it was wrong to say come to a dog. Oh. So he always said front. <laughs> and it was the biggest joke in a meme. We didn't know the word meme back then, but it was like whenever we went to my friend Westcott's house, his dad would be like, any front, any front. And we'd be like, come on, Annie. He'd be like, we don't say come in this house. I'd say front. That is exactly. Our <laughs> house was a meme of like, we don't say no. We'd be like, so we wrong, wrong. <laughs> it's like so ridiculous. <laughs> okay, so here we go. <laughs> wrong. Okay. I'll post this on Instagram probably. Okay, I clearly think I am not being a wimp. It just, it's just that it hurts me. I keep saying wrong so she will not do it when she is older. I think it is wrong on you when every time we bring Whoa. up the subject, you call me a wimp and end the discussion. Yes, so I cannot one energy, myself. one energy. I believe. Let's we talk can. about wrong here, <laughs> Mister. <laughs> I, I I know what wrong is. I believe we can find a way to solve this. So even if you don't think it doesn't hurt, and I think it does, we stop the biting. Love, Macy. P.S. The P.S. is the best. If Zoe's bite doesn't hurt you, then that does not mean it doesn't hurt me or anyone else. Dang. <laughs> not only does it kind of still sound like you, but that's smart. <laughs> it's a smart letter. My dad's was like, I was so, today he was like, I was so convicted. And it changed <laughs> the way I approached the situation with you. <laughs> You're like, that's like, dang, that's, this, that's this like person knows a, what they're talking about. Gives a little bit into the narrative of like, I was quote unquote the baby and the wimp of the family. Hmm. And it was like, I was called a wimp often because it was like, I cried often and like things were tough on me, dang. you know? <laughs> dang. So, um, if a Zoe's bite doesn't hurt you, that does not mean it doesn't hurt me or anyone else. It's like big snaps to that, you know? <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know. I'm proud of my young self. It is It is like totally a one energy, but it's like exposing my sensitive side. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I don't know. As we all experience each other, I mean, maybe one of the things is is like your front, your four is a front for your oneness. Yeah, no, like, for sure, it's a facade. Yeah, and we can see the people that know you best, like feel your oneness seeping through the pores. You know, Do you it's see like, it? Yes, absolutely, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and maybe you can see the eight seeping out. I'm like trying so hard. It's like for some reason, have you ever the movie Men in Black? Mm-hmm. It's like this big giant alien is like in a, a, a human skin. Oh yeah, and it's like in the human skin's like barely containing it. It's falling apart. He's yeah. like slopping around the city, and it's like is this the one with the like bugs that come out of its mouth? Yeah, and he drinks that glass of exactly milk or <laughs> water yeah. and sugar. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and at the end, a big alien comes out of it. But it's like yeah, yeah I'm 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 containing the eight in this five skin. And sometimes I know, and you I'm can feel the it. One. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, oh, I don't know. And you're like, you do know. And you're holding back. And what are you doing? <laughs> we can see it. No, you, you, can, you. you can sense it in yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know. Not- and I can get really high and mighty, mm-hmm. like a one for mm-hmm. sure. And that kind of is my nature is to be a little bit like, we have to do what the right thing. What mm-hmm. are we doing here? And that, that kind of, I was a little bit more driven, I think, mm-hmm. as a kid and purposeful, potentially. Like, I felt like I was good and was going to do good in the world. Um, I feel like there's a lot of similarities to fours and fives in this sense. Like an eight and a one energy being reprimanded as kids. Maybe. I feel so different than you as a kid. I wasn't, like, angry and aggressive. Uh, yeah. I wasn't, like, mad and I wasn't picking fights. <laughs> like, I was... Probably more deferential than anything. I just remember being so. But calm in class, I was like a teacher's pet to like oh, the yeah. highest. No, regard. I was never a teacher's pet. Fully, <laughs> like I was. I got called teacher's pet a lot, yeah. and that's probably actually where it's like started to like. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be that. I was like, that was who I was yeah. at school. Man, yikes! What does it feel like? What does it feel like for you to sit with the one? Like, like accepted, invited in, invited in. I think it's really hard for me. Like I, I want it, but there's a part of me that is like, I, I'm resistant to it. There's a part of me that's like, is it boring? Um, like it, it doesn't feel as not fun's not the right word, but maybe interesting. And I think that that's something that maybe I need, like that is legitimately the thing to accept is like, I'm not as like, freaking interesting as I'd like to be like maybe I am just one person out here doing like I can just do good and like I don't know I don't know I think that it, it, this feels like a hard movement for me but I think it's a good one and I think it's, it does like we're talking about it feels easier now that I'm thinking back on my younger self it's like oh it's that it's that thing inside of me that like I don't know. I do think of myself as a young student and even in college, like I liked, I like to be number one. I like to like do a really good job on something. If I like have an assignment that really, that activates it for sure in me. I wonder if that's your soul child or your three wing. It's hard to know. It's hard to know. I don't really know, but it's, let me say something and see what your response to it is. Okay. And I'm responding in real time to what you just said. Like people that know Macy, it's like, okay, if we just take everything as sort of like meta and a metaphor to a certain extent, it's like, let's talk about your hair as a four. Yeah. You know, part of me as your friend 
is absolutely enamored with the way you treat your hair. <laughs> it's fun. You know, it's like, it's so fun to think like what's going to be happening with the hair. I remember when you texted me a picture of your buzzed head on your birthday this year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's so cool. And it's also so meaningful and it makes so much sense. And of course they buzz their head and it's like sentimental and nostalgic. It was, it was really and, sentimental. I yeah. And it, it's like a, a picture that speaks a thousand words. Yeah. You know, I was like, yes, I don't need any more tonight. Like, that's just like, there it is. Cause I think I texted you like late on your birthday. I was like, how are you? Happy birthday. You know? And you just said, text me a picture of your buzz head. And I was <laughs> like, yep, that's it. Um, having said that, if you never did anything interesting to your hair for the rest of your life, you'd still be amazing and unique. I know. You know, it's, you'd still be Macy. I, I don't need you to do something interesting to your hair or your clothes or your appearance or your outfit or your presentation. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is like, I think about, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I've been trying to dye my hair less. <laughs> and it's like, why I'm like, why do I dye my hair? Why am I dyeing it? Do I need to do it? Mm-hmm. Like, what like it is kind of letting go and shedding of that like it's it's hard like i i am really scared that i'm going to lose a part of myself if i quote unquote like get in touch and become more like consistent mm-hmm. and stable like I am at a point now where I like, I do want that, but it's like taken me this long to kind of finally be like, yeah, I like need to, I want to accept that. And like, uh, it's that it does not mean losing the like unique, awesome part of me. It's like, honestly, it'll probably, that would be, that'll be more available and not as like weird and convoluted, you know, but it's, it's kind of, Trusting that, that is the hard part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, our egos are so strong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To, know that how, to know how you're experienced by the people that know you the best, you know. I just had a big thought. Here, hit, hit us with the big thought. Well, it's just like, it's trusting that. Like, I think that there's something where it's like, the being good wasn't enough in my family mm. or whatever. Like mm-hmm. it just like, like mm. became that message, like doing all the right things and being good wasn't enough. It didn't, it didn't solve things and it didn't, it wasn't working. It was like, honestly, it was like, I couldn't, I, this is interesting as I say this out loud, but it's like, I think that maybe I thought I, I can never be this. Like it's a, like, it's high expectation. So like, honestly, it's like, I'll settle for being unique. I'll settle for being different. Makes I'll settle for being like, you can't understand me. So if you can't understand me, then I can't fail. Dang. That sounds That real. feels like is what it is. <laughs> Jeez. These are like right now insights. And the crazy thing about all this as we keep learning is that this was never real to begin with. Like you, what is perfection? What, what were your parents hoping for? Right. What were your perceived experiences of what your parents were hoping for. None of that is fair or real to begin with. Right. But you experienced it. But I experienced it. Exactly. Gosh, that's, that's interesting. (laughs) Mm. Okay. Okay. I think we can be done with my soul child. (laughs) Little Macy one soul child. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it would feel like for you to think of me being more eight like. I mean, ultimately, I think both of you and I are pretty satisfied with each other as is. Yes. You know, I'm not like, I need more from you, Macy. Maybe we hope for the best in each other and hope for progression and integration. And I think you've said to me several times that you like just want to push me or kick me. That could be referencing the eightness. <laughs> I, as my five experiencing you out in the world or just myself, I don't, I don't, I don't like pat- particularly love and need a lot of order and oneness in the world. So mm-hmm. I'm not like, oh yeah, I would love it if you were doing that, Macy. I would love it if you were more consistent. But right. maybe, I, I'm saying this a lot, I wasn't leading to this, but like maybe as your advocate or your fan, sometimes I am thinking like, yeah, a a one like, like um, sense of like, practice or perfectionism in terms of like what you said, like habits and practices in terms of like your own goals and painting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I would, I would want that for you as your friend. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, if you're like, I paint every day from 10 to three, that's like, what I do. That would be great yeah. for me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm not doing like right now. I feel like I'm baby stepping it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm like, I'm trying to paint every day, which you I know? think is a smart way to do it. I think most people would say that's the right way to do it. Um, but I'm not like giving myself a set amount of time, Mm -hmm. but it is like the discipline and there's no getting around the fact that us waking up and doing a course of miracles every day, we're only at like day 20. It's like already that routine is so good for me. Mm -hmm. It's like, I see that it's really good for me. Me too. And I just got to lean in. There's been a shift in energy in the last few weeks. What do you mean? No work. No work. But. But, guys, <laughs> just wait. In 10 days, Macy goes back to work. And I'm very excited about it. Very grateful. Mm, very but grateful. Also <laughs> but also really loved a month of doing creative projects and ventures. I, mean, I guess the silver lining is that you have really taken advantage of the time. I think so. I so feel proud of the time. And I'm like, I have 10 days left. And this morning, this morning, okay, talk about fixated on longing. I'll go back to a four thing. <laughs> I was pissed. Woke up and I'm like, it's raining to go back to work in 10 days it's raining and it's going to rain the next few days when i'm painting i was like (laughs) i'm not going to paint today i'm mad i'm done painting like honestly i was talking to matthew and he was like (laughs) i I was like i'm already like sad that i'm going back to work and missing this while i have it yeah yeah and then i was like get Get fucking over yourself. Yeah. This is what I have to tell myself every day. Like, I honestly kind of get mad at myself, and I think it's good. I'm like, it's not negative self-talk. It's mm-hmm. like, I need to yell at myself and be like, Macy, stop mm-hmm. and fucking move forward and do something and stop sitting being sad that you can't do something when it's literally in front of you. You can paint in a different place where it's not mm-hmm. raining and just do it. And it was like, okay, I felt so much better once I started doing it. And I'm like, Snaps to I'm Macy's inner coach. <laughughs> <laughs> oh, it's like I'm just like every day I wake up and I do this battle every day, like fighting the long game. It's like a constant thing. It's like resist it, resist it. Mm, okay, I think we should probably wrap it up. We did it. We did it. I think we did it. We we were mildly disciplined. I give us a B. It's mm-hmm. two o five, with with very with small breaks. <laughs> but we were having fun. Okay. 
Soul um, Child. Catch us next week for probably an interview. Super excited. Yeah. I'm not going to say much more about it, but an interview. An Get interview, excited. everybody. Get ready. Thanks Big for thoughts. listening. We appreciate you, you, all. you all. Get in touch with your inner soul child. Rate us a review. Uh, microphone down. Bye. <laughs> Hello, everybody. What you gonna say, what you gonna do, what you gonna say, what you gonna say?